We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Dream trade targets. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, the offseason is here. You know, we have to get into this target stuff because next thing you know, it'll be July 1st and things will be going down. The draft is coming up very soon. We're going to get into some of that stuff, you know, later on in June. But Jack, I guess before we get into this one, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also give us follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Let's start with our dream targets. We're going to start from least likely to most likely. And again, this is dream target. So some of these are somewhat ridiculous, but that's kind of the purpose. And as we progress through the show, we'll get to more realistic targets. So if you don't want to hear a stream, you can fast forward a little bit. But Jack, give me your first uh, crazy dream target. I just want to ask you first, Nick. I've just added one name to mine. As we're, We've both got Google Docs. We've been sharing back and forth our different names, our different lists. It's a, a lot of fun. How many names are on your dream list? I right now, if I count them, I have eight on my dream list. Some of them realistic, and you know, we'll get to those. Some of them completely out of the park, but you know, we'll, we'll have a discussion about them. How many names do you have, though? I have five names, and I could I kind of left it all to being star players. I think I have other dream targets that are role players, but I'll probably mix those in on some of our other podcasts. But I have five guys, and I think, as I mentioned, you know, some of them are realistic, some of them probably not going to happen, but at least worth discussing because, you know, whoever thought James Harden was going to be a net? You know, there's always, you know, something crazy happening. You told someone that five years ago, they might not have believed you. So I guess, Jack, kick us off. Look, I've got my probably, this might be maybe, I don't know who's the most unrealistic out of these ones, Nick, but I'll go with Anthony Edwards as my most unrealistic, yet probably maybe the biggest dream target that would probably fit the best, if anything, in terms of a prototype of a guy who can proven scorer, generate quality offense, incredible athlete, young fits the timeline with Mikhail Bridges and everything else would be an ideal complementary piece, has personality for days. Anthony Edwards would be a superstar fit on the Brooklyn Nets, but it ain't happening. There were like many murmurings here and there about like, is he going to want out? Like, you know, we should, we discussed plenty about Carl Anthony Towns in previous episodes if you want to listen to that, but give me Ant any day of the week, even though there's a less than 1% chance it happens. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a better chance of him, you know, signing his next contract and then demanding a trade. You know, Timberwolves, if they're smart, he still has a restricted deal. He's on that rookie contract. They're going to give him a ton of money. The reason he's so perfect is because he's a great player. And at a really young age, and like you said, he would be super ideal with this core because of what he can do. And there's not really many limitations to his game. You know, he continues to really get better. And he has that edge to him, you know, that it factor that you really want your, you know, a potential superstar. He's a guy that could end up being a top 10 player in this league just because of what he's shown and his athletic tools. So, I mean, really ideal. But like you said, you know, might even say less than 1%, might say 0.5% under just because the Timberwolves would be ridiculous to trade him, but not necessarily the most successful franchise either. No, there's plenty of stuff that's going on in Minnesota. Maybe their dysfunction becomes our function. But in yep. saying that, Nick, throw a name at me that we can have a discussion about who is and completely unrealistic, but let us dream. Yeah, I think I'd go with Joel Embiid. You know, there is definitely some risk. Yeah, realism that he could be on the market. You know, James Harden leaves. He doesn't want to be a single star. The real problem is the Nets don't have the best package. You know, other teams could throw a lot better deals. You know, if the Nets were going to offer something for Joel Embiid, it'd essentially be all the draft picks they received last trade deadline and probably Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton. It's just they don't necessarily have that blue chip young guy that they could throw in there that would entice the, uh, entice the Sixers enough. And also the Nets being in a division make it less less likely. But we can dream. Yeah, it's even less likely after the slander we gave him throughout that postseason, <laughs> especially uh, me, uh, in terms of the 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 integrity which he and a Mr. Bearded Man played with throughout that postseason. But no, in, in all honesty, I think there is a likelihood of Joel Embiid possibly wanting out of Philadelphia yep. to Brooklyn. It seems highly unlikely. But in saying that, you know, crazy things can and happen. And it's about, like, if Joel Embiid is like, man, Mikel Bridge, I wish he we had a draft of him, you know, a couple of years ago. Or, you know, I want to be in New York because there's that. that's always that factor, that allure. And maybe Joel Embiid is a guy that just wants to be, you know, in the big city and have the lights bright on him because he seems to be a guy that thrives in that sort of, you know, scenario. You know, he's the MVP this year. He's a... All well defensive talent, one of the most talented, most skilled big men. You know, this is me after saying everything I did in, in those postseason pods. But you know, in all rationality and objectivity, Jalen B could want out because you know the the rumors around James Harden wanting to go back to Houston. You know, is that you know trying to sort of you know gain leverage against the the Sixers to get a better contract? Yeah, probably more than likely. But in saying that, you know, there's combustibility within the Sixers franchise. You know, they don't have a coach right now. You know, is that coach going to appease Joel Embiid? You know, I'm not saying that there's stability in Brooklyn, but there's this at least a, a probably a greater amount of stability there. And I think that Joel Embiid fitting in the Nets environment, put him alongside Clax or Clax is in the deal. I have no idea, but Joel Embiid is one of the five best players in the NBA. And yes, his health is a, a big question mark, but this is a guy that you throw the house at. You know, he is a bona fide all top 50 guy ever, top 75 guy ever, wherever you want to th sort of throw him in that list. He has talent for days and that's why he's on the dream list, even if it is you know, completely unrealistic. Yeah. Would you trade uh, six first round picks for Joel Embiid? Oh, that's a good question, Nick. You know, do you have in front of you his contracts? You know, obviously we know the the he nature. He still has four years left on his deal, and he's twenty nine years old. I'd do it then, you know, because I think if you're doing it for a four year run with Joel Embiid, you're gonna put yourself in contention. Yes, the Sixers did flame out, 
but I think that they are going to be with Joel Embiid on their team, and if they can manage him, that's where, like, you know, you go, oh, well, the Nets, you know, used to have all these great sort of guys behind the scenes, and Kevin Durant was raving about how, you know, his body and the way he recovered from his Achilles injury. You know, Joel Embiid in the behind the scenes with the Nets training staff, you know, maybe they manage him best, you know, peaking at a time where it's like, all right, let's get to the Eastern Conference Finals and we'll go from there. So, look, I, I can dream and I would throw the house at him. You know, you, you throw absolutely every single little thing that you got because... This is a guy that's going to be an MVP contender for the next three, four years on that contract. How he ages beyond that contract you know, remains to be seen. But yeah, you throw the house at him, surely, Nick. Yeah, it'd definitely be really interesting. Obviously, the only way it could potentially even get in the realm of possibility would be if the Nets were quote unquote on his list or a destination he preferred. But you know, if Philly wanted to go in a weird direction and get a lot of first-round picks that could potentially have value deep in the future, we're talking a 2029 Mavs, Suns, and Nets pick. You know, that could be that could be valuable picks. But again, I think the lack of blue chip prospect is what really kind of would hurt the Nets in trading for one of these, you know, top five, top ten players. But you never really know as things kind of progress. And maybe at the deadline, Cam Thomas is looking like a potential all-star. Clack's taking another step. And now you really, you know, you're cooking with gas. But Jack, who's next? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, this is a tricky one. Who I have next? I've got Brent. I'm going to put these two together just because they seem sort of similar. Look, there were rumors around one of them. Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown. You know, we probably oh, okay. put rumors, rumors out for, for both of them. But there were strong rumors around Jalen Brown when it came to the Kevin Durant rumors. We sort of put out the Brandon Ingram stuff quite a bit. I threw both of them together, Nick, just because I think that they're similar sort of players. All you know, Jalen Brown made it All-NBA team this year. Maybe somewhat fluky. He's probably a top 20 player in the league. I think Brendan Ingram has more offensive talent and maybe a bit more potential as well. His injury history is somewhat of a concern. But both of those guys are just threw in there. Jalen Brown is more unlikely because of his stance and his friction with Joe Sy, I yep. guess, is you know that there's a, a little bit of a history there. But in saying that, you know, 
He doesn't seem to be loving Boston at the same time either. But Brandon Ingram, like, I just, I have no idea where New Orleans are as a franchise. And, you know, obviously, you know, Zion Williamson is the face. Like, you know, should we have put Zion Williamson on our I list? I thought that's yeah. what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to put these two names together and it's going to be Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Because I think there could be a, a realm where they're deciding about, like, who are we kind of leaning into? Because, like you said, New Orleans has been in a kind of a weird state. Yeah, and I don't know if I dream about Zion Williamson because I don't dream of guys who play 30 games for me because I've had Kyrie Irving do that for a few seasons in Brooklyn and, yeah, put out some outstanding highlights and, you know, memorable stuff, but it ultimately leads to nothing of, of real substance. And I think that's what Zion Williamson is right now. When he's on the court, probably a top 10 player in the NBA in terms of his force. He's... Giannis 2.0 in terms of the physicality and impact. but We saw him cook the Nets on, in their home opener. I mean, yeah, and he can do that time and time and time and time again. And, you know, he wanted to – there were rumors around the New York Knicks and all the drama sort of there, you know, before the draft sort of happened. But in saying that, the reason why I put Brandon Ingram on it because I think that it is, if Zion is the direction they take, is Brandon Ingram going to be happy with that as a sort of, you know, Jalen Brown sort of type with the way that Jason Tatum sort of gets all the limelight and such in Boston. So obviously Jalen Brown is up for a supermax contract. That complicates things a lot. Brandon Ingram probably makes more sense and is probably more realistic as a dream target. But both of these guys are incredible offensive talents, have defensive potential, and are the exact sort of prototype. You know, you put... You know, I think Brandon Ingram's probably a better playmaker uh, yep. f- for himself and others. So I think he'd probably fit better next to Mikael Bridges. Bridges and Brown, you know, where's the playmaking coming from? I don't know, but you just got two guys that are incredibly talented wings at a, at a position that is the ultimate premium in, in modern NBA. But look, let me dream, Nick. Let me dream. Yeah, I think Brandon Ingram also is kind of like a pure closer. You know, we've seen him have stretches where he can just hit tough shots to win games. You know, obviously his health has been a concern. Not necessarily super consistent with that, but when he's been on the court, has been really good. And like you said, they have to figure out what's going to go on with New Orleans. You know, maybe Brandon Ingram would prefer an opportunity where he could be the number one guy. You know, I think the Nets would probably be comfortable leaning into him, you know, for this season and then potentially maybe adding another star. And I think he can take, you know, further strides in his game. You know, this is a guy that has you know, played at an all-star level, averaged over t- almost 25 points a game. Like, he could take that next, next step in Brooklyn. So, Brandon Ingram, also on my list, would definitely be a very, very good fit. And, you know, I would trade a lot of first-round picks for him. You know, maybe David Griffin is still obsessed with gathering a ton of first-round picks for the time being while they wait on Zion to see what happens. But you could probably convince me that it's more likely maybe they go away from Zion because they have the big contract with him. They're unsure of his health. And, you know, that's that's a question mark. You know, obviously the one contract they'd love to probably get off would be CJ McCollum, but I don't think the Nets would have much interest in that. So Zion, Brandon Ingram, do the Pelicans go in one direction? Do they swing for a star? Or is there more moving parts? Are they a team that maybe, you know, makes a Damian Lillard trade or something like that? And then they need other, you know, assets to kind of, solve things i'm not sure but definitely a team to kind of keep an eye on for this offseason and not even just for the stars some of the role players in which we'll talk about on future episodes yeah i think brandon ingram as well you know uh, heading into he's only going to be 26 in, in a couple of months yeah. as well in september so fits again the sort of timeline Jalen brown does as well i just think that as much as you know you'd have to find a tyus jones mike conley sort of type to sort of steady the ship and and find playmaking um and and for for the team overall 
you just get the talent, Nick, at the end of the day. You just get guys that are good hoopers, and I think you figure things out along the way with the, the schemes and, and everything else uh, along the way. But we've got a few more names to get into. Who's next on your list? Yeah, um, this uh, this is another dream guy. Probably not very realistic unless they kind of lean into Scoot Henderson and want to start a new era in Charlotte, and that's LaMelo Ball. You know, that would be a guy that could really pop with the Nets, would give them that star point guard that can facilitate and also score, hit big shots, has that it factor. You know, I think he'd be a guy that would really love playing in a big city, given kind of his connections around the league, considered one of the most liked players in the NBA, which I think is probably surprising to some. Um, and obviously already has, you know, the deal with, I think, Puma and just kind of has that star mentality. So I could see him kind of wanting to come to Brooklyn as well. And also the Hornets don't ever really seem to know what they're doing. The fact that this is so low on your list, Nick, and the fact that I didn't have it on my extended eight-man list disappoints me. You know, <laughs> I clearly haven't done my research here. I was thinking of, of, you know, we've got a couple other guys that I'll touch on b- before we end this episode, but I can actually see a world where that happens. I'm not... He's dealt with gonna, injuries too. Yeah, and, and I think that the, the, the Charlotte Hornets direction of, of where that franchise is, Michael Jordan is rumored to be wanting to sell his stake in the franchise. You know, Scottie Pippen's calling him the worst player ever. All, all, the, <laughs> all these different things. And I'm just like, maybe. Like, you, you just got me thinking a little bit, Nick, because I think LaMelo Ball might also be a little bit overrated because of the attention that he does get from you know, the students that I teach in, in sixth grade. Like, he's their favorite player. They're walking around like they're LaMelo Ball whenever they're out there on the basketball courts at recess time. They love him. So, and a couple of them actually go for the Brooklyn Nets. So I, I think them, I might have to let, send the link to, for them to, to this episode to hear your thoughts. But in terms of playmaking, he it's he's one of the best playmakers in the league. And I think that's gone away a little bit last season. I think he got a little bit Spencer Dinwiddie ball hoggy. And, and well, he sort of into his defense, his team was pretty terrible. That's fair. That's completely fair. But I think, you know, also as an Australian connection, you know, played in the, the NBL down here. Yeah. So I've got that special kinship to, to blokes that play in my national league. He is completely untapped with with so much potential and i think he's got great size about him as well for a guy of you know six 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 seven at the sort of point guard so like he he is he would be like if we're up ranking guards because i've got two other guards and i think we can fold them into this discussion nick and maybe we throw this out on twitter as well donovan mitchell and dejounte murray are also on my list here now dejounte murray might be a bit much of a dream sort of guy but i really like what he's done in san antonio and this year in atlanta as well if we're talking about those three as dream possibilities is Lamelo ball maybe at the top of that list yeah i think you look at the ceiling you know you think that he has the highest ceiling and kind of the 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 biggest need for the nets is having kind of a pure point guard you know Dejounte, i think does check some of those boxes but i don't think he has the ceiling Lamelo does obviously Lamelo still has to prove it you know still, but he's only He's going on 22. He'll be 22 in August. So he's a guy that really could pop. I think the biggest concern for him is probably health. You know, you know, Lonzo hasn't necessarily been super healthy in his NBA career. Do you worry that that's kind of, you know, a genetic thing that they're just not, you know, structured for the NBA? I'm not really sure. So, but I really like his game, the way he fits the age. And also if you're trading a ton of picks for somebody, be a lot easier to trade for someone that's, you know, 22 rather than someone who's 25 or 26. And it gives you hope moving forward. And also, Lamelo is on the is going to be in the last year of his deal. You know he is a restricted free agent, but the Hornets will have to decide if they want to give him that full max contract. 
And he could he be, you know, one of the first ever guys, you know, there was a lot of talk about Zion not signing the extension, you know, to mm-hmm. be with and him going to New York to be in the franchise where he can make that money sort of back. Lamella could do that in spades, you know, in terms of marketability, jersey sold. If he was in the New York market, he was the primary, you know, marketability guy, put him up at Barclays, put him up in Brooklyn, put him up at Times Square. He's making kajillions of dollars on marketing yeah. beyond his contract. And, you know, whether LeVar Ball approves of it, you know, speak it into existence, as that man likes to say. So I think that there is the only reservations I have on LaMelo Ball, you know, are probably just things that I don't know enough about, like, you know, personality stuff. You know, I don't have, know enough about like maturity, all those sort of things. But he's a 22 year old. And then also, as I alluded to, you know, game style, you know, how much is he going to be willing to buy into a system? You know, if Mikhail Bridges is there, we've heard about, you know, Sean Marks and Joe Sy saying, look, it's hard. We want these sort of culture guys, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I don't really care. Like if Lamelo, you can got a chance to get like a Lamelo ball, a Donovan Mitchell sort of type. Yeah, they might be a larger-than-life personalities, but you're willing to pay that price for guys who have that much talent and are, a, are, are at a premium in terms of how they produce um, in the NBA right now and, and where their value does lie. So, look, I'd be all in the on the LaMelo Ball experience. I'm surprised you haven't tweeted that out, Nick, and broken next Twitter, but I think you better get your scheduled tweets going and get Monday morning, get that one out there, clip out this discussion because uh, Nets Twitter is about to explode and throw it on Reddit wherever you want to go because... I'm kind of in on the idea. I'm now on the LaMelo ball bandwagon. Get on the ball bandwagon, ladies and gents. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Hornets would have to have some level of interest to trade him. And it was similar to the Ann Edwards thing. You know, it wouldn't be a smart move for their franchise. You'd at least want to sign him to that contract, really expend his value a little bit more. But And the reason I you know, didn't mention even talking down on Mitchell, I just think that the Cavs would want such a crazy number because they just traded so much for him. And also the way some of those guys that played, you know, Laurie Market and Colin Sexton, both have played well. They sent all their picks. They would pretty much need to get their picks replenished and even get something that helps them still compete. So Donovan Mitchell just... I don't think they move him unless it gets to a point where it's the last year of his deal and he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. You guys can send me off or something. And DeJounte Murray is very interesting. You know, the only concern I have with him, you know, obviously would fit in the trade exception. The Hawks just traded a ton of picks for him. But are you willing to give him a max after this season? Because that's going to be what he wants. And I think uh, he'll have like seven years of NBA experience. So it'll be around 40 million and going upwards. So do you think DeJounte Murray is that level of a player? You know, I'm sure people would argue he is. Some argue, would argue that that'd be the type of contract that you definitely don't want in the new CBA. Yeah, it's sort of like we'll discuss, obviously, Damian Lillard probably at different points at, towards the end of this podcast. But, you know, d- debating these sort of guys. And the reason I had Donovan Mitchell on my list was because of mild murmurings. I don't know where they came from about him wanting to be in New York or like New yeah. York wanting to no, have that's him a back. real thing. And obviously the New York Knicks did not draft him. They they let him go to Utah and you know, the, the Knicks took care of business against him, you know, in that postseason series. You know, whether he's sort of, you know, doing the Kevin Durant sort of thing and heading to the team that knocked him out. Could happen. I don't know. Crazy things have happened. But in saying that, I just think that the that sort of was just like, mm, maybe. Maybe Donovan Mitchell decides that, you know, Brooklyn and I, and he sort of just fits the the, the personality had of calls about him too. Yeah, and, and I think that he sort of fits the personality of this sort of team. You know, I think Mitchell and Bridges would be these sort of really amicable, likable sort of dudes in terms of what they do for the community and their teammates and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I think 
all of these are incredibly unlikely, but there's there's chances, and you got to think about you know other teams, and you know you bring a sense of realism in terms of what's going to happen, contracts sort of thing. But the Dejounte Murray discussion, I think, is an interesting one Nick, about that sort of you know the supermax sort of deal. It's just like or the max sort of deal, and and the length and and the amount that it is, because if you're tied to a Dejounte Murray, Mikael Bridges. Nick Claxton, who Cam Johnson sort of core going forward, you know, where does that leave you? You know, what is the ceiling of that sort of team? A four seed, maybe, you know, it's, it's about, you know, I think that we might be getting sucked in a little bit. And I don't, I, I think I said a, quite a bit on, on previous pods about the parody that could be current, currently happening in the NBA, but maybe I got a too sucked into the Miami Heat and what they're sort of been doing. But I think that there is a chance if the Nets build this team right and maybe they get lucky along the way like they did you know, in, in, in other iterations, they have a chance to sort of make a, a, a certain leapfrog. It's going to be about how they construct this roster over probably the next 12 to 18 months. That's going to determine the trajectory of the, the franchise to say four years plus. You know, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, all of these sort of names, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, there are... I, I, other than Mikhail Bridges, you know, after what we've sort of heard, despite Portland saying that that three pick is, is certainly out there, you know, we we discussed uh, pretty heavily on the last episode about Mikhail Bridges' likelihood to be in Brooklyn long term. That's the only name I'm really comfortable about. You know, the Nets retaining. So there's other names, packages, picks. The Nets have so much up their sleeve that. Uh, many different scenarios, many different worlds would not surprise me in terms of what this iteration of the Nets looks like over the coming months. Yeah, I think in the next year, it's going to be pretty incredible kind of what happens with this team. You know, moving to draft night, they have two first round picks. You know, do they draft those guys? Do they stay in the team? Is that move for a star? You know, who do they let go in the offseason? What guys do they use to acquire more picks or a star player? You know, how does Ben Simmons look in the course of the next year? You know, what happens with Cam Thomas? Is Nick Claxton given a second contract or is he moved? You know, there's just a lot of interesting things for this Nets team. And like you said, it'll definitely dictate the next couple of seasons. So it's important that they start getting moves right. You know, starting off this next era with the positive moves that don't, you know, cap strap them moving forward. That's why a lot of these decisions are going to be tough. And I think there'll probably be parity in the NBA. But at the end of the day, you'll still need you know, at the minimum, a top 15 guy, you know, even if Jimmy's not a top 10 all season long, you know, in the postseason he is, and he's still kind of a top 15 guy and a guy that can really elevate and Spolstra, you know, gets more out of his team, but who knows that series could flip very, very quick. Uh, yeah. We don't, by the time this episode's released, we don't know what's, what's sort of going on, but you, you know, bam at a bio as well as the top 25, 30 sort of guy, you know, Mikhail Bridges is probably right now in that similar sort of vein. If you throw Lillard, Siakam or any of the other guys sort of on there, you know, it shows you that maybe, but obviously, you know, Jacques Vaughn is far inferior to Eric Spolster, who's been probably the best NBA head coach the past seven, 10, eight years, whatever the, the hell you want to put it. So there's a, a significant gap there, how much it matters. In regular season, I don't think it really does. But in the postseason, you know, his his nous is is second to none. But uh, any other thoughts on on those sort of dreamy guys, Nick? Before I think we're both going to get to maybe two names that have a sense of realism to you know actually being in a Brooklyn Nets uniform come the near future. Yeah, um, not really. I think uh, they do send out a lot of picks. You hope it's a guy that's 
you know, under 26 years old and really has a ceiling that could turn into a top 15 guy, you know, that's something you feel more comfortable or somebody that already is, you know, as we mentioned with Joel Embiid, that's probably unlikely, you know, Brandon Ingram, probably unlikely, but guys that obviously you could see playing a super big role. Embiid's already done it. Ingram, I think, has shown really good stuff in the playoffs. Not of last season, they didn't make it, but the season prior, you know, had some really good moments. But let's get into our most... I want to ask you one more question, Nick, just for the... the, We're not going to have many of these discussions on these names probably ever again. If they they sign their contracts and they're with teams or their current teams or other teams long-term. But if I just gave you, you know, against the wall, you could... Whatever the package is, they say they're exactly the same. You can have Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. Who are you taking out of those two to join the Brooklyn Nets franchise? Anthony Edwards. I think he's shown more probably already. I feel more comfortable with his durability. And I, like I said, I think his athletic tools are just insane. Like oh, yeah. I think that he, I mean, we've seen him posterize Nets players, every player in the NBA, whoever it is. And like I loved in this postseason, you know, he said, we're not going to get swept. They won a game, you know, and a lot of that was, you know, the leadership. He wants to have that competitive edge, which is ironic, given at draft time when he was drafted. People were saying, oh, this kid loves football, not basketball, blah, blah, blah. And he looks like he's going to be really, really good. So Anthony Edwards over LaMelo. And I think that was kind of easy for me just because I think Anthony Edwards is just something about him. Yeah, I think he has potential to be, you know, an all NBA first team player. Yeah. Lamella, I don't think we've seen that just yet. I think he's sort of a higher end version of Trey Young. Trey Young, again, all NBA player, I believe. But in, in saying that, I just But see... he'll have potential to probably be an okay defender at some point because he has size and just yeah, Trey so... just doesn't have that. Look, the discussion around both of those guys is is fanciful uh, at, at the same yeah. time, but you know, let, let's have it. It's it's a bit of fun. And and look, if you guys have any different thoughts or we've forgot any dream names that you want to throw at us, you know where to find us on Twitter. It's always in the the episode description. But if you if you think that there is some realism to Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball, talk me into it because I'm already on the ball bandwagon. The ant bandwagon is a little bit smaller, not just because they are made of ants. He's ant the ant man. But it seems incredibly unrealistic and just out of this world. But these next couple of names certainly aren't, Nick. Yeah. Well, you want to jump into Dame Lillard first? Well, is Dame... Uh, I had Pascal Siakam. Did you have him on your list? Yeah, I do have him on my list. I have him as my most realistic target because... He's you have him as your most realistic target. Wow, I had Damian Lillard probably as... Look, I haven't ordered my list. I've sort of just got them in my head. You're probably much more structured. You've got highlighted little <laughs> things there. Your Google Docs are probably going crazy. I think Damian Lillard's more likely than Pascal Siakam. I think uh, there's just a sense of Portland not wanting to let him go, where Masai, to an extent, like he's always trying to fleece people, but he also understands Pascal's on an expiring contract. And do they want to pay him moving forward? Are they really in a championship window to pay, you know, Pascal Siakam, you know, 40 plus million dollars a year or is it time for them to kind of enter a rebuild? You know, Fred Van Vliet is going to be a free agent. Gary Trent going to be a free agent. OG also on an expiring contract. So it's just a lot of question marks in Toronto. And it'd be a, a smart move for them to cash out. They could probably take advantage of the Nets a little bit. And I think the Nets would already have had interest in Siakam in the past. So it's probably someone they would call. So I just think uh, the Nets also could make a more realistic offer for Siakam, where I think the issue that I worry about with Dame Lillard is if he's not demanding a trade to Brooklyn, Portland could ask for an excessive package, you know, asking for something closer to Kevin Durant package, even though that doesn't make sense. And that's just because of the way they value him and the way they have to sell it to their fan base, even though that contract could end up being nasty. 
Yeah, look, future coach of the year, Steve Nash, could be headed to Toronto as well. How that complicates things for their franchise. Man, it that was truly probably thing. has an impact, though. If I mean, if it was, you know, depending on the coach, not necessarily if it's Steve Nash, but uh, if it's, you know, a rebuilding coach or a competitive coach, what they do with Siakam. I don't know what Steve Nash is. I don't think he fits into yeah, either I don't of those know. That's why I didn't categorize him. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the category that Steve Nash belongs into as a head coach, look, he's one of the greatest basketball players to ever live, but we have lived through his head coaching route and um, it's been ups and downs. Let's put it that way. And I'm sorry, Jerry, if you want to get some referees or some references and do some reference checks on uh, Steve Nash, Listen to some of those episodes from the past couple of years on the Brooklyn yeah. Buzz. Well, there's plenty of content there about Stephen, uh, as we mm. like to call him on the Buzz. But yeah, I think that we can we'll touch on Pascal Siakam. We'll give my thoughts on it because I, I think I've always been very, very high on him. You know, and I think that he, uh, alongside, I think he has playmaking chops. I think yep. that he is a, a, would fit you know ideally into the net system. And it's just like I'll, I guess I'll ask Unit because. The new CBA is something you understand much more. And I want to sort of get your thoughts on it because the thoughts around Damian Lillard and are around, you know, that contract and, and how inflated it is given his age, given his quote unquote injury history and, you know, heading into his mid thirties, you know, is his best behind him, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Pascal Siakam could get a very inflated contract as well in terms of, the value and you know relative contracts and length and age and all those different sort of things. Who's a better asset for the Nets, say, over the next four years? Is it you know maybe the next two years would be Damian Lillard, but is the next four years like a Pascal Siakam? Because while he might be you know a, a little bit older in his late twenties, you know probably going to turn thirty pretty soon. I think he's got longer in the route because he hasn't been at the NBA level for an extended period. You know he started a little bit later. Like those guys that come into the league, you know, Cam Johnson, you know, only 26 despite playing four years of his NBA career. So in terms of assets, like just analyzing them, you know, contract-wise and those different sort of things, how do you assess Siakam v. Lillard? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of it depends on how you think each guy will age. You know, Siakam just turned 29 in April. So going into, you know, by the end of next season, he will be 30 years old. So do you think his game will age well? Like you mentioned, doesn't necessarily have the miles that a Damian Lillard had because I think his career started out a little slow. I think he spent a lot of time in the G League too early on and kind of developed and wasn't really necessarily that star guy. But obviously, he's a tier or two below you know, Dame Lillard and what he can do as a superstar and Siakam, you look more as probably that secondary guy. Now it's like, do you go the route where you're like, let me land that secondary guy and hope to attract, you know, the number one guy later, or I add the number one guy and then look to add a number two or a three. I think it's really interesting. And also a lot depends on the contract you're going to end up getting him. Let's just assume, you know, he's getting a, a, a contract from the Nets it's probably going to be, you know, over $40 million a year. And by the time it ends, it'll be close to 50 plus, you know, that'll be four or five years down the line. And, you know, he's getting into his mid thirties. Will he age? Well, it's really hard to predict. You know, I think the one luxury the Nets have is they could probably afford one bad contract in terms of a star being overpaid by like, you know, 10 to $15 million because Mikel Bridges is on such a steal. You know, Mikel is probably more like a 30 million up type of guy and he's only making 20 and then, you know, in 25, 26, he'll still only be making 25 million. So, and also I think a big factor too is can you get one of these teams to take on Ben Simmons or, you know, is it later down the line where you move Ben and open up that money? So I, I haven't really answered your question because I really don't know the answer and I don't want to just, you know, put it out there. I think Dame will just ultimately be scarier because of what I think he's 33 years old 
And by the time the contract runs out, he's going to be making over $60 million. And even if Siakam is not great towards the end of him, he's still only making 50. And you just wonder who's going to, you know, not not in, in wishing this on anyone, is either guy going to kind of fall apart physically by the time their contract's end? Because 26-27, Dame's making 63.2 mil. Yeah, it's uh, that number is incredibly scary. You know, it, yeah. it just really is at the end of the day. And it's just like, are you willing to dive in? You know, what it, we always say, and it's the easy answer, but it's the easy answer because it's the most rational. What are you giving up for either of these guys? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, does either guy choose to want to go to Brooklyn, you know, and, and, and have those because obviously the way player movement is these days, you know, we saw Kevin Durant go to Phoenix, you know, under the radar, and that was the only team you really wanted to go to. Could that happen with Damian Lillard? I think that the the Trailblazers will show Portland, uh, the franchise will show Damian Lillard the the requisite amount of respect and grant him the wishes wherever he wants to go and do deals in good faith. Would Masai Jiri do that? I, I'm, you know, I think he's the sort of guy who's much more ruthless in his approach. There's a reason why he's built up the reputation that he has. You know, he he wouldn't want to be a guy who's on the losing end of any sort of deal. You know, so I think he would try and squeeze every little thing, second round of future firsts, pick swaps, all those different things for a guy like Pascal Siakam. Even though his value, I think, is at least heading into the next two seasons. Far, far less than a guy like Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard can be an all M. He would have been all NBA first team had he played all seventy two games. Like he was incredible. What does his What does he look like at age thirty six? That's a, a, another question. And you know, it's about you know what does Cam Johnson's contract look yeah. like as well. That that's another thing. It's all about the other moving pieces. And while we wish we had the answers, we're just a couple of random podcasters trying to figure things out. And Sean Marks is the guy that needs to have those answers. And there's plenty of questions around him, rightly and wrongly, come from me, come from others. But at the end of the day, however he pulls the trigger, you know, we've said it a million times. It's about going, this is our direction. Communicate that to the fans. Show us with you, uh, with good faith, or it's just like, just let us know. And I think that, We've heard that, you know, the, the little mini murmuring sort of saying, you know, we wanted in, 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 in different interviews and such, it seems more than likely that Lillard is the route that they want to go down, but maybe they could divert that and say, you know, maybe we were targeting Pascal Siakam. He is a proven scorer. That guy can put up 25, you know, and a, rebounder. Mikhail, and a, and a pretty solid rebounder, a decent enough playmaker. Yeah, I think him and Mikel could average 50 between them on, on, on any single night. And you throw in Cam Johnston, he's there. There's probably 70 points, 65 points, and the rest of it has to come from other routes. But yeah, it's it's really hard to analyze at this point in time until we get more Trinklings, more information from you know where the Raptors might want to go. As you alluded to, there's been history there with you know Claxton and, and other sort of guys. With the the Trailblazers, you look to the history of you know a, a Lillard and Bridges friendship, and you know him going to the courtside games. Even though he went to go to the Knicks courtside game, and Kyrie was at every courtside game there was in the postseason. So you try and read into the tea leaves as much as you can, but ultimately our guess is as good as yours and the listeners. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point too. Is just what's the package? And I think if the Nets can protect themselves a little bit and not trade any of those 2029 picks or the 2027 Suns pick even, and they could do it without that, you feel more comfortable risking on the older player in Dame Lillard. You know, if you have to include a later pick, you kind of want to stay relevant longer. So that's maybe, you know, where you kind of, you know, back off of Pascal Siakam if, you know, 
Masai's asking for one of those great picks you have because if you land Pascal, he's not your final piece. Where Dame is ultimately, you know, your your one or your your two or maybe your one B, depending else who comes on the market. So it's going to be interesting. And like you said with Cam Johnson, uh, his contract will play an impact. Or is he somebody who's part of one of these trades in a sign and trade or going to a Houston team? Rockets? Please give me all of that deal, Kelly Aco. Yeah, sign me ridiculous. up. Look, I love Cam Johnson. <laughs> Check it out. I think it was like, you know, the Nets get the third pick and the pick swap back. That would be a trade package for Mikel and Cam Johnson if we're being realistic. Yeah, look, it it, it was very fanciful. And check it out on Nets Twitter. And we sort of alluded to it there. But I'll I'll finish with this sort of hot-ish take, Nick. You know, you alluded to, I think it's worth thinking about, you know, the 24 class, which is incredibly stacked and deep. And are the Nets going to be within those route if they get Lillard or Siakam? I think they could be. But for me... If you get Damian Lillard, it gives you a great opportunity to get another superstar-ish free agent. And I think it gives you a chance at a chip. Look, I'm not saying that the Nets are, you know, the favorites in the East if Harden goes and, you know, Jalen Brown decides out of Boston. But I think Damian Lillard gives you a Eastern Conference Finals-ish sort of, you know, he's made the finals with CJ McCollum in a weaker year in the West. I think we could make the finals as the, the Nets franchise with Damian Lillard, Mikhail Bridges, and a collection of other guys, maybe add another superstar in 24. I don't think that, that it's completely out of the realms of possibility, but maybe I'm drinking a bit too much Kool-Aid. Yeah, I think if I answered your question, you know, finally answered, I would probably lean to Damian Lillard because the ceiling is higher. You know, he's a better player. He's playing at a, a superstar level. He could potentially age well, similar to Steph Curry. There are some... There's some culture fit. You know, we know the relationship with Mikel. And I think ultimately, like you said, he's more likely to attract another star, you know, attract a, a top tier star, m- wants to play with Damian Lillard. No disrespect to Pascal Siakam. You don't really feel like guys are signing up to play with him. So for me, I think you you go for Dame here and you could probably protect yourself with those picks. And you're more likely to get a good deal because, like you mentioned, it would be loyalty to him from the Portland franchise. So I'm excited to see what happens. And it seems like out of all the trades, you know, these two guys could realistically be traded and we'll see what happens with that deal. Who demands a trade, who requests a trade Do the Nets make the cut to that list. Are they the top destination? We'll probably find out within the next month. It's going to be a, a very interesting ride over the next couple of weeks. Nick, I've been listening to a lot of Dame Dollar. I hope you have been too. <laughs> Bringing the positive vibes. Uh, and just to give you guys a heads up, we'll be doing more trade target pods. You know, we've kind of hinted at some of that stuff upside, you know, targets make the team better, some risk guys. And we'll get into free agent stuff a little bit later and draft stuff as well. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.